Hi, my name is Dion Taylor, and you are listening to Talkin' Blues. So you, you got a puppy. I did, <laughs> yes. Have you had dogs I got, before? Uh, I actually have severe allergies. Uh, my entire life, I'm, I'm pretty much allergic to everything. I uh, never really was an animal uh, lover or even really paid attention to animals. And, uh, you know, like my friends, I have a lot of friends who have pets and stuff, and I never really kind of paid them any mind. But uh, since COVID hit um, and we have a lot of free time, we actually got to bubble with uh, some friends of ours who live in Brampton. And they actually just got a puppy in March. And so we spent the summer with them and we spent a lot of really great weekends together. And I really fell in love with, with this puppy named Socks. And, you know, I spent a lot of times so and my allergies, for some reason, did not react to this type of dog. So we investigated and we decided to try it out. And it's been just over 12 weeks now with, with our puppy Bootsy Kamala. And it's probably one of the best decisions that I've ever made in my life. It's a lot of work, though. It's a lot of work. <laughs> but I, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of like, I, I always have to be doing something. So now, as opposed to... <laughs> doing silliness I actually spend that time with with the puppy so like taking her outside or like playing with her or like petting her or just making her giggle or whatever it's actually really good for me because it, it's giving me something positive to focus on yeah yeah like I, <laughs> I get that what, what amazing things dogs are yeah and they're you know what they're they're little balls of energy and you know, I look into her eyes and I just see this beautiful soul and it's, it's just, it's amazing. And I'm, I'm really thankful that the universe brought her into our lives. That's interesting that you didn't grow up with dogs. And, and so it must be, it must be quite a, not a learning curve, but it must be quite different for you to all suddenly have a dog in your life. Yeah, it's, it's a huge learning curve, um, for sure. I mean, like I'm constantly on the internet and calling my friends who have dogs and saying, oh my God, what do I do? <laughs> what, what, is this normal? And, and they're all like, yeah, call us anytime. That's totally fine. But I, I just, you know what? I don't even look at it as a, a challenge. I more look at it just, she's just a, a, a little person and a little being. And as long as I, I show love and affection and I feed her and make sure she goes to the bathroom and make sure she sleeps, it's actually pretty easy, you know, taking care of, of a puppy. What have you learned about yourself through this process? Wow, I've learned that I have a whole other capacity of love that I did not know that I had before. Um, I don't have any kids and I never really invest. Well, I shouldn't say that we, we did kind of investigate it and it never really happened for us. And I was fine with that. But, you know, I just I realized that I have so much more love to give and and the love that I put into music is great and fine. But I realized that there's a whole other extension of love that I have to give. And I'm happy to give to this tiny little puppy. And, and I'm super, super thankful for that. So when, and, uh, obviously it's a big decision to make. But when you decide that you're going to get a dog, do you yeah, think, yeah. okay, 
when we go on the road, the dog's coming with us? Like, is that automatically <laughs> thought out? Well, we're, we're, we're actually having those conversations right now. <laughs> because, I, you know, I don't know about you, like if you've traveled and you see those people with, with the little crates with the dogs, and I was one of those people who'd be like, oh, my God, the person <laughs> with the dog, oh. And now I'm that person. I'm like, okay, here's karma. So uh, maybe I should be <laughs> thinking about what we're going to do. But I, I think, you know, maybe bringing her on the road would be good. Or, you know, we have a lot of friends who have, have pets. And I'm sure that if we are extremely nice to them, they'll take Bootsy for, for a time if we need to drop her off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know some musicians who do. I mean, who take, who take their dogs everywhere. And I find that yeah. amazing that... Because it, it just probably adds the complexity of being on the road. But, to, you know, it's part of their family. And I guess there's no question that they yeah. will bring this. So, oh, that's interesting. Totally. I'm glad you're having a good time with it because it's a, it's a great time to get a dog. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. So I want to go back to the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. You were raised in, born and raised in Regina. Mm -hmm. And music came into your life very quickly was like you were like four years old or something when you started playing the organ, correct? That's right. Um, my, my family, my parents put me into music lessons when I was four years old, into organ lessons, actually. Um, uh, my, my family um, has a church in Regina called Shiloh Assembly, and my dad and my uncle uh, co-pastored when I was a kid. And so, you know, we were at church five, six days a week and always had music less music in the services. And that was where I, I fell in love with music. It's at church. So I'm always amazed that and I talk to a lot of musicians who start really early. But at age of four, are you passionate mm -hmm. about playing or is this something that's kind of given to you or you're told to play? Well, from what I remember and from what um, my family says, and not just my parents, but, you know, the people who grew up with me and, and who know me the, the most and the best, um, they always said that I was either singing or I was just hanging out beside the organist at church. And because I was I was so tiny, I couldn't even see the, the keys on the on the keyboard. But I just used to sit at the feet of the organist and I would just kind of, you know, like just reach up and, and whenever I got the chance to, to sit at the, at the piano, I would always do that and just, just play the notes. And I just, it just felt like home to me. So did you take any lessons? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I took, I took uh, organ lessons. Um, I took piano lessons. I studied uh, piano at the conservatory. Um, I got my grade, my grade 10 uh, at the Royal Conservatory conservatory and piano. Um, I also did my um, my vocals and singing at the conservatory as well. I got my grade eight doing that. So um, when I say that I've, I've been doing music my entire life, it's, it is 100% true. I've always been in music in some capacity. By the age of 10, you were the musical mm -hmm. director at the assembly, correct? Mm -hmm. That's right. So you must have been like really good. <laughs> <laughs> correct. <laughs> I, I guess I was, yeah. <laughs> and I, I wonder at what point, it's, it's interesting to me, who, who has no musical talent, but at what point did you think music is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Um, I don't think it was something that I thought about necessarily until much later, but I just, 
I, I always felt comfortable doing music. I always felt like I was myself and the best version of myself um, when I was doing music. And so I just always followed that feeling and that vibration. And so I knew that as long as I was true and as long as I remain true to myself, that music in some way will find me and I will be okay. Now, I, I can imagine growing up in the church, then music like the like gospel would have been part of what you did. But how did the yeah, other yeah. music, genre, musical genres come into your life? Sure. Well, I'm sure that you've spoken with, with people who've grown up in the church and um, maybe you're not familiar with uh, Pentecostal Christian experience, but we are not allowed to listen to secular music at all. That's the devil's music. Right. So um, <laughs> I didn't actually uh, get introduced to um, jazz was actually the first uh, non-gospel genre when I was in high school. And I, I started to study um, vocal jazz and I was in like the vocal jazz groups and I had a really great music teacher who, who saw the talent in me and who believed in me and inspired me to pursue music as a career. So, so was that an issue with your parents? Was what an issue? To, to listen to things like jazz, blues. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't tell them at all. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, I, if I wanted to listen to any type of music that was not gospel, I had a Walkman. And I had my headphones and I would listen under the covers in my bedroom. That's how I listen to music. Or if I was over at, uh, you know, a friend's place and they had their record players then I would, I would hear music there. Or if I was in someone's, someone else's car, cause certainly not in my parents' car, they didn't even play the radio. So any type of music that was not gospel that I heard was outside of the home. So at what point do you reveal to your parents that, You've been listening to something else. <laughs> how does that? How does that conversation happen? Um, well, probably the first time that happened was when I had my first um, concert in high school, and my parents came and they heard me singing this jazz, and they said, "What is up with that?" <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I just tried to explain that, you know, I I, I was learning about harmony and, and melody rhythm and stuff and and they're like well you know you gotta make sure that you stay true to your gospel roots so again i i i had to kind of figure out ways to listen to music outside of of the home and practice very very sneakily as well <laughs> okay so how do how do you think what was it about jazz that you, you that kind of attracted you to that form of music uh, I love jazz so much because it's the first style of music that outside of gospel that touched my heart and my soul in a way that felt familiar. Um, gospel's familiar to me because it's, it's my roots and it's my family and, and it's all those things. But for some reason, jazz uh, inspired me in a way that was intellectual um, in a way that was um, spiritual. Uh, I didn't think that I could feel um, spirituality through other styles of music outside of gospel until I listened to jazz. So it just really opened my eyes to the possibilities of um, the different styles of music that are out there in the universe. Wow. So at one point or another, you decide you want to pursue music 
by going to school. I mean, yeah. so was that a discussion that was difficult with your parents? It was extremely difficult. Um, when I graduated from high school in Regina, I actually got two scholarships to um, go to, I got one scholarship to go to Humber College and I got one to go to um, Capilano College in, in BC. And my parents told me that I couldn't go. Ooh. And so it was, yeah, it was, it was a really tough uh, conversation because I knew at that point that if I wanted to really seriously pursue music as a career that I had to get out of Regina and the only way that I knew how to do that was to go to school and so it was a it was a tough it was a tough time for me during that that period but that's that's life sometimes yeah, right yeah so at this point you're thinking I want to, like, I know you pursued, you majored in voice for classical and opera at the University yep. of Regina. And are you, were you thinking, I want to get into opera or classical, or it had nothing to do with that? It was just furthering your training and hopefully pursuing a path to jazz. Yeah, it's funny because at that time, um, there wasn't really a vocal jazz program at the University of Regina. So as a vocal major, your only options were to study classical. So that's really how I ended up studying classical music. And I'm so grateful for that because that training has led me to, again, experience and pursue different styles of music that probably would have never been um, introduced to me outside of, of, um, outside of school. How difficult was that? I mean, it, I mean, it sounds like you really didn't have a lot of exposure to classical or opera at that point. Yeah, I, I had none, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but you could read music. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could read music, and I, could, I, have, I have really great ears. Like, I, I learned a lot. Um, I learned by, by playing by ear and singing by ear, so I knew that I had those skills. Um, and I, I work hard. So I knew that if I wanted to pursue vocals and to pursue classical, that it, it was just a matter of immersing myself in the music and taking it seriously. And, and that's what I did. Did you know what that path meant at this point? So you're now taking a university course in, in classical and opera. Did you think if I wanted to have a career in music, it would look something like this? Even at that point, I still had jazz in the back of my head. And I was still trying to figure out a way how to get out of Regina, <laughs> even though, even though I was at the University of Regina, I, I was still I still had my eyes set on getting out. So I knew that I was kind of biding my time and just you know figuring out how to get out. Okay, and then, well, how much jazz gigging did you do at that point? Well, I, I, I actually did quite a bit, oh, okay. and I was, again, I, I, I don't even know if my parents are going to hear this, but I, we don't was have to tell very, them. Very, <laughs> I was very resourceful with my time. Um, I actually uh, learned to play and sing jazz uh, on the weekends, so I had, um, there was actually this restaurant in Regina, I don't think it's there anymore, on Scarth Street, it was called Al Alberto's or Alfredo's or something. And um, it was like upstairs and it was kind of like a little old school Italian joint. And it was just myself singing a piano player and a trumpet player and a bass player. And we would just play standards and we'd play them in the keys that were in the books. And that's how I, I learned my chops. And I did a lot of coffee shop gigs. 
Um, I did, yeah, I did a lot of singing of jazz, like just for fun. And that's how I, I, I kept my jazz chops up, really. And is the organ and piano playing still going on or is that out the window by this time? No, I was still playing, still playing organ at church and still, still, still balancing everything. <laughs> still juggling, you know, living the, the, the life of a classical singer, moonlighting as a jazz singer at night and playing church at organ on Sunday mornings. Wow. <laughs> Singing. <laughs> and then yeah. you go into Humber, the music program. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where you get to really work on your jazz chops. Yeah, I was, I got to tell you, it was just, I took a few years off uh, when I moved to Toronto because I knew that I needed to figure out what I wanted. And, and if I really wanted to pursue music as a career that I knew I had to be in the right headspace. So by the time I, I went to Humber, I was ready. I was ready to work. I was ready to network. And I was so excited to be there, and I had such a, an amazing experience there. Well, obviously you did quite well. But at that point, when, you, when, you, when you're going to Humber, at that point, do you know what a jazz, a career in jazz would look like? Uh, I had some idea. Um, I think what I, the idea that I had in my head and what I saw other people doing was not quite matching up. And so I was trying to figure out how to bridge the gap between what I wanted and what I actually saw. So, you know, like a lot of uh, teachers at that time, uh, vocally, they only taught. Like I didn't really see them on the jazz scene and singing in clubs, right. as opposed to musicians who like I would see, you know, some of my teachers who I'd study theory with. And then I go see them at the recs, you know, playing three or four nights a week and so it was something that there was a disconnect there that I was trying to figure out how to navigate if I if I really wanted to pursue um, being a vocal jazz artist. So what was it like to come from not a small town, but a smaller town of Regina to come to Toronto? Was that a, like a big adjustment or not not a big deal at all? Uh, it wasn't a big deal at all to, to me. Um, I never really felt comfortable in Regina. Um, I always kind of felt like I didn't really belong there, um, even though my family is great and I have a lot of friends and all that kind of stuff there, but it just didn't feel like like home to me. And when I moved to Toronto, like it, it actually felt more like home um, because of the like so much multiculturalism, uh, different restaurants, um, the, even just like the the TTC and, and seeing so many people and so many vibes that are all interconnecting, um, that really turned me on. And so it, it felt really great to be in Toronto at that time. Okay, so you graduate like in 2003, somewhere around there. And then mm -hmm. then you, you kind of compete for a jazz competition that they only pick like six musicians around the world, the Jazz and the New Generation program for the right. Kennedy Center. Mm -hmm. And you get you get chosen to to be one of the six. Well, actually what had happened, I had auditioned for another group which was called um, Sisters in Jazz. Right. And that group was actually a bunch of women who um, were students also who were at, at university and colleges and they had kind of like a super super woman group. 
And I didn't get into that, but they forwarded my audition tape to the Dr. Billy Taylor at the Kennedy Center. So that's actually how I got the Jazz and the New Generation gig. Wow. So you didn't even, did you know? I didn't even know. No, I didn't even know about it. That's what was so cool about that opportunity was that I got the email and it was funny because it said, oh, uh, this is uh, Ginger Rogers from the Kennedy Center and uh, we're inviting you to perform at the Millennium stage. And I'm like, okay, which one of my friends is like (laughs) pulling a joke? I mean, this is really stupid. And like another email was sent a couple of days later. I'm like, okay, guys. And I was asking my friends and they're like, what are you talking about? And then finally I got a phone call from, from Virginia Rogers. That's her name telling me that I had been accepted into this, this program. <laughs> so that's how I got the news about that. Wow. And at, <laughs> yeah. at that point, what's your confidence like as a singer? At that point I was, I was, pretty confident I wasn't you know as confident as I as I am now but I was confident in that I knew that I wanted to be challenged and I knew that doing that program I would be surrounded by other super talented uh, kids and and I, and I just wanted to learn and be exposed to that so I was so excited and and like just really 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 stoked just to be even asked to be among that among those people so so what would that program how like what did that consist of was it a year or was it a few weeks or how long was the program and what did it consist of so the program was actually um a week okay and it was uh basically we had um workshops during the day and we worked with dr billy taylor we worked with um uh James Moody, uh, Winard Harper, like we worked with a whole bunch of like super, super heavy jazz musicians and they just gave us material. They gave us tips on how to be a better musician, how to work better with people, how to um, improvise, um, how to just hang out as, as musicians. So it was a really, really positive experience and a really insightful experience experience. And it, it actually made me want to pursue music even more as a career. And, and how likely did that seem to you at that point? It's It seemed very possible and it seemed a lot more attainable after that because I realized that I was A, talented enough, but B, also um, like motivated enough to, to pursue it. And so I knew that I knew that it was going to be hard work, but I was ready to do the work. And then, like, within two or three years, you have your debut album out. You also Mm -hmm. play at the White House. You also play for the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh and Joni Mitchell in in Saskatchewan Centennial Gala of the Arts. Now, at this point, what are you telling your parents? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, at this point, they they knew that I was pursuing pursuing jazz's career um they they knew um my choices and they respected my choices uh maybe they didn't agree with everything but they saw how seriously i was taking it and they they recognized how talented i was as well and so they were actually at the um the saskatchewan centennial and i think when they saw me on that stage i think it clicked for them because I think before just telling them stories they didn't really I'm not sure if they didn't believe me or they just didn't really take it seriously but when they saw me on the stage and they saw 
the audience and they saw the response and they felt the energy. I believe that that was a, a huge turning point for, for them. And it, it's been really great ever since. What do you remember about that show? I remember feeling very, very proud. Um, I remember feeling um, extremely emotional because I felt, I just thought about everything that I had gone through, like being a, a black girl coming from Regina, Saskatchewan, um, all the, the journey that had taken me up to that point, um, all the decisions that I had made and being able to stand in front of all those people and to perform it just, it really validated all the, the decisions that I made. And it, it made me feel really proud to be Canadian, of course, but it just made me really proud to be who I am. When you go to school, you, you really, I would presume you concentrate more on the artistic side of being a, a musician as opposed to the business side of being a musician. And so did you know... Like, how did you learn the business side of being a musician? Well, I learned the business side of being a musician through my partner, Sandy Maman. Um, we actually met at Humber College on our first day, <laughs> if you can believe it. Yeah, really? we met. Yeah, it was, it's, it's actually a funny story. Like, we were, we were walking down the hallway, and uh, he was walking towards me, and I was walking towards him. And our eyes met, and I just kind of knew that this was my person. And so we just learned a lot from each other, but he actually uh, was taking a lot of business courses at the same time as studying music. And so I learned a lot about the, the business side of the music industry through him. So that's how I sort of um, learned more about that. Okay, so how do you, how does, I'm always curious yeah. about this. How do you know that you make that eye contact <laughs> and you say, this is the guy? I how don't know, it just, it just, I, just knew i i don't know what it it's a feeling that i can't describe it just like he knew and we both knew and it was like this thing it's like oh that's that's my person okay and the funniest thing as well is that our lockers were beside each other because we know that you're assigned lockers right we had all of our classes together so it's just like it almost felt like fate i guess <laughs> Um, wow. but yeah, I mean, we, we helped each other a lot and, you know, I was really good at ear training and, and, and sight singing and all that stuff. And he's really great at theory. So we really helped each other out and we helped each other to excel. And, and, and that was a very, very helpful, um, time for me having him there. And that's how I learned about the business side of, of being an artist. And he was going for bass playing, right. is that correct? Yeah. And business? That's right. Wow. And so automatically that became a form of a band. Is that like, I mean, you were going to not only work with them, I mean, you were going to work with them mm -hmm. musically. Yeah. I mean, what, what had happened was we were talking about, um, you know, like I wanted to learn more about R&B music and about soul music. I didn't really uh, know much about those styles of music growing up either. And Sandy's extremely knowledgeable about soul and, and, and uh, funk and all that stuff. And he said, you know what? You should really think about maybe singing soul music. And I'm like, I don't, I, I can't sing soul music. I'm a jazz singer. I sing classical. That's me. He's like, no, I think you should try it. And, you know, I, I started learning it again, 
went headfirst and immersed myself in 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 Seoul and Motown and and stacks and sun and all that kind of stuff and just learned the styles and and we put together a couple of bands and that's where I cut my teeth as a as a soul singer. Did that come easy to you? It's 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 still you know I don't like to say it comes easy but I I know like I I guess I listen in patterns so like a lot of soul music and Motown sounds very much the same so I guess it's easier in that sense in that it's like I can recognize it a lot easier um, when it comes to jazz you know like you've got the changes and and the melodies can be very intricate and very um, you know, kind of outside. And then when you look at classical, like you're, you're all over the place and it's a lot of embellishments. So for me, like I find soul, soul music to be a little bit easier. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. But I mean, you know, you're singing works by people like Aretha Franklin and, <laughs> yeah. you know, not, not easy shoes to fill. No, but you know, I have the training. So I honestly believe that if you have good training, great training, and I think training as a classical and a, and an opera um, artist has really, really helped my career, especially with breath support and with enunciation and intonation. Um, at that point, it's just stylistically whatever I can do, whatever I want, because I've, I've got the training there. So it's actually kind of fun to be able to do that. Okay, so when I talk to musicians, player instrumentalist mm -hmm. oftentimes i'm surprised when i say what's the relationship between you and your instrument and oftentimes some some great musicians that i've dealt with will say i have no idea what that instrument will sound like today any day that i play mm -hmm. it and you think wow you you're with the symphony you're with whatever and they say it's always a puzzle it's always a mystery what's it like with your voice like how do you, like, are you always happy with your voice or do you always know where your voice is going no, to be? of course not. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not always happy with my voice, um, but I'm learning how to um, be okay with that. Um, I try and take care of myself um, so that whenever I do need to sing that I'm able to get into that headspace, get into that physical space of singing um, but I mean, I'm always, I'm always thinking about music and I'm always present with my voice. Um, one thing that I, that I do do, I, I suppose I should say I don't do is I don't talk a lot. Um, I don't speak a lot on the phone. So in that sense, I'm, I'm pretty careful with my voice, but. So this is yeah, in general? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in just general, I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not a big talker, believe it or not. I will text sure but um most of my most of the people who are closest to me they know like i don't really talk on the phone that that often well i'm sorry i really appreciate you taking time to talk <laughs> yeah, to me. exactly <laughs> no because it must be it must be a concern right yeah. like, if you don't do that um and then that that's just ongoing so how has the pandemic and these days other than getting the dog <laughs> yeah. How how has that changed you as a singer? Well, you know, I got to say, before the pandemic, I was pretty run down. And I can say that now because now I've had time to sort of think and to be by myself and to just, you know, kind of 
be melancholy and, and, and reminisce about, you know, the times before COVID, but I was singing a lot. I was um, performing a lot. I was touring a lot. And I, I remember feeling vocally tired and I remember feeling like it felt like work. And I don't like to feel and to think that singing is work, even though I know it's my job. I know it sounds strange to say, but I want to, to always feel like I'm doing something really beautiful for the universe and not work. And I just happen to get paid for it. So giving back. So since COVID, A, I've had time to, to rest, like really, really rest vocally. Um, my voice feels really great. It feels really strong. Um, I just did a bunch of singing today. Like I did some studio stuff and I was like, oh man, this is, it feels good to be able to sing again. And it just, it, it felt good to take a break. So I'm for that, I'm grateful that I, that I've had the time to take some time off and to rest. So when you sing so many different um, genres of music, I don't know if you still do classical or opera. But but in your career, you started off like a, more as a jazz musician, and obviously R and B and soul was a big part of what you mm-hmm. also did, and then you also did some mm-hmm. blues. Is it difficult to go to one genre to the next, and 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 then at the same time, being so versatile and doing so many different things, does that ever work against you, mm-hmm. or yeah, not against you, but is that always is that ever a disadvantage? I know what you're saying. Um, for me, I personally don't particularly like the word genre, um, especially as it pertains to music. Um, I believe that your voice and my voice are instruments and they're extensions of ourselves and our beings. And so just because I sing jazz or I sing R&B or I sing the blues or whatever, stylistically, yes, they may sound different, but it's all me. And they're all extensions of myself. Um, I may, you know, add some inflections to make it sound bluesier or to make it sound jazzier. But at the end of the day, I'm just singing (laughs) and I'm just singing from my heart and from my soul. And if someone wants to call me a jazz artist or blues artist or R&B or soul or classical, you know, like that's that's them. But for me, it's just that's just who I am. So Dion Taylor is just, she's a singer, she's an artist, and, and that's it. Okay, but having said that, <laughs> would you put in an operatic, but could you put in a classical piece or an opera piece in, a, in an album that's mainly blues well, and jazz? I, I don't think that would be a very wise decision, do you think? Um, maybe, no, yeah, but I, mean, I, I wouldn't do that. I mean... Uh, for example, like for my latest album, which is a blues album, there's no no mistaking that, I made the decision to write a blues album. So the songs that are on the album are blues. And I'm staying with that specific genre and style because I'm paying homage to that style. So I'm respectful of the space and the time that people put into placing these labels on these boxes. But I'm also cognizant of the fact that I'm a singer. And so, yes, I'm doing a blues album, but I'm also an artist. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
And when you say blues, like when I think of, so I had the pleasure of working on your video how many times. When I think about that song, I mean, I hear blues, but I also hear more like a rock edge to it. Totally. Um, I hear like gospel, to be honest. Like I was, <laughs> I was really. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. like the, the music that I grew up listening to at my church was like fiery, man. Like that's the type of music that we used to sing, like lots of hand claps, lots of tambourines, you know, like driving drums, loud, very present vocals like that. That song is bluesy, but it's like, that's a straight up gospel track to me. So I find it interesting when people review it and they say, oh, this is, it's actually one guy said, oh, it sounds like Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin 3. I'm like, oh, that's great. Cause I actually love Led Zeppelin 3. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, what they meant, but I'm like, oh, I'll take it. Sure. <laughs> but I would imagine releasing an album during the pandemic is a difficult sure. thing because you can't really go out yeah. and tour and so was there a decision i mean it was timely obviously um with the with the video and and the album but um did you have to think about whether or not it was a good idea to release it then or to hold off when you didn't know when it would things would change yeah. like what what thought process went into yeah that? so we finished recording uh spirits in the water in january and so our plan actually was to release it in March and then COVID hit. Right. So we kind of just put everything on pause, obviously, because no one knew what was happening. Um, and then as we saw, you know, the summer come on and, and, and people were kind of getting back into doing things slowly and, and very controlled, we made the decision to put it out in September. And I'm, I'm really, really thankful for that because I think it's really great that people are so receptive to it i think it's great that uh, people are connecting with the music and especially right now if in any way that i can connect with people it's it's a positive thing so i'm really glad that we waited to release the album what have you learned about yourself during the pandemic other than you, you love dogs. <laughs> i don't say i love dogs i love my dog um <laughs> Um, I, I've learned that I'm not just um, a singer. I'm not just a musician. Um, outside of that, I'm also, you know, a really great friend. I'm um, a really great person. I've also learned that I have a lot more patience than I thought I did before. And I also learned that um, I've learned not to take um, everything so seriously. Um, I've learned to really stop and take in the beautiful things in life, like sunsets. I know it sounds cheesy, but it really has made a difference in my life. Um, spending time speaking with my family weekly, um, even just getting to bed earlier has, has really, really changed my life and, and waking up earlier and just being able to have that space and time to be quiet and to just create and to, to be the best me that I can be right now in this situation. So those are a lot of good things that, that I've learned out of, out of this pandemic. What are you working on these days? So these days I'm uh, just promoting a lot of the new album, which is called Spirits in the Water. And uh, that just came out on September 11th and it's been uh, getting a lot of traction, a lot of play, uh, radio play around the world, which is really awesome. And, Actually, can you tell me? Yeah. Can you tell me the 
the concept behind Spirits in the Water? Like, how did that happen? I... Yeah. So Spirits in the Water is uh, inspired by a trip that I took to uh, Nashville a few years ago. And I learned about the legend of the Tennessee River, uh, which is called the Tennessee River. And the legend says that there's a woman who lives in the water who sings songs to protect those who hear her. And I really loved the imagery of that song, of that, of that uh, story. And I wanted to write songs around that theme. So that's what uh, Spirits in the Water is inspired by. So when you say that, okay, this is an idea that I want to write songs about that theme. Mm-hmm. Does, is that an easy process to now write songs about that theme? You know what? It, it was actually, once I put it out there in the universe, it was pretty easy um, I knew that I wanted the sound of the album to be very atmospheric. Um, I wanted it to, to be very vibey, to be very visceral. And so uh, working with Joel Schwartz was great because he understands how to get those sounds, um, not just from his guitar and from his, his, uh, his, his playing, but also the, the artists and the musicians that he chose to um, play on the album. They all understand and understood uh, what I was trying to get out uh, through the music. Okay, so other than uh, working on your working your album, what else are you working on these days? Ah, so just to share some pretty awesome news, uh, my album has been nominated for Album of the Year uh, by the Blues and Roots Radio, which is pretty great. And uh, through the Toronto Blues Society, I've also been nominated for three Maple Blues Awards. Wow. So one is a New Artist of the Year. Uh, second one is Female Artist of the Year. And the third is Songwriter of the Year. Okay, so I have to ask this, and I know it's a silly question, but how does it feel to be a New Artist of the Year at this point? In the year? <laughs> I know, everybody asks that. <laughs> it feels great. <laughs> I feel born again. <laughs> Again, born free again. Yes. Because mainly new artists, because you're more into the blues genre than ever before. Yeah, I would say new because I am. I am definitely new to the blues scene. Um, I only have one other album that's uh, considered a blues album, and that was Born Free. So that's why it's it's I'm I've been um, nominated in the new artist category, which I'm really really grateful for i think it's really great that they've recognized my music and and hopefully fingers crossed i'll win something well it's well deserved thank you i also heard that you might have started playing the ukulele i did i did oh yeah you did yes i did i i bought a ukulele uh in the summer so i've been kind of noodling with that a little bit and does so that would there be like a future ukulele album coming up <laughs> why not <laughs> How about the ukulele blues? <laughs> I, I try. I tried to play sad songs on the ukulele, but it doesn't seem to be possible. It's just everything <laughs> sounds so happy, which is great. <laughs> Although I did, I did do an interview recently where somebody said nobody really in, is interested in hearing happy songs all the time, <laughs> which I thought I was an interesting. Uh, well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I, I've, I've had the priv- privilege of working with you a number of years over our work at Riddle. And, um, yes. and we've had some discussions in the past, And um, but I, I've never really had a chance to sit down and talk to you about your music, and I appreciate you doing this. Well, thank you so much for, for doing such an amazing video. Um, I've had so much positive response from it, and 
you're you're just an amazing amazing artist so thank you well and thank you for having me on on your show i appreciate it so much thank you i always think that the video is only good as the musician so you know my, my thing is just to support what you do so thank you for allowing me that opportunity mm -hmm.